Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Germany, according to Reuters, is making emergency plans for a potential energy shock, an immediate cutoff of critical natural gas from Russia. Moscow is threatening that even though the government in Berlin is already working to wean itself off Russian fossil fuels. Germany also has a new military reality. It's reversing its decades-old tradition of staying out of foreign wars, as Berlin sends heavy weapons to Ukraine. For more, we're joined by NPR Berlin correspondent Rob Schmitz. Hi, Rob. Hey, Scott. Let me ask you first about weapons. For weeks, the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has said no to Ukraine's request for heavy weapons, worrying that it could escalate the war. But now, anti-aircraft tanks and other armored vehicles may be on the way. What, what's changed here? Yeah, Chancellor Schultz had initially ruled out providing Ukraine with heavy weapons such as tanks and armored vehicles, and his reasoning was that it could make Germany a party to the war and trigger a nuclear conflict with Russia. There was also a lot of domestic pressure on Schultz not to send these weapons to Kyiv. Germany has an active pacifist movement filled with members of academia, think Mm -hmm. tanks, you name it, and they sent the government an open letter saying that sending weapons would lead to Germany's involvement in what they called World War III. Uh, But there has been pressure on Schultz to send weapons to Ukraine, and that pressure is both from the international community as well as from many Germans who do not belong to the country's intellectual elite, but they vote. Uh, Last week, Schultz's poll numbers were down yet again, and it was becoming clear that a parliamentary election in the northern German state of Schleswig-Holstein would oust many politicians from Schultz's party, thanks in part to his reluctance to give meaningful military help to Ukraine. Uh, In the end, Schultz's party was trounced in that state election by the conservative party of former Chancellor Angela Merkel. Uh, That was on Sunday. And on that same day, Schultz made a national address to the German public to commemorate the 77th anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe. And he explained why he changed his mind on sending weapons. Here's what he said. And Scott, he's saying here that he's heard everyone's concerns that the war might spread, that peace in Germany could also be in danger. And though it would be wrong to dismiss these concerns, Germany must not be paralyzed by fear. Ah. So as the chancellor is trying to thread this needle, what does it mean for the arms that Germany will be sending next to Ukraine? Well, there's a lot of arms that they've verbally dedicated to Ukraine, and that includes uh, four dozen so-called cheetahs, which are tanks that are armed with anti-aircraft guns. They're also sending howitzers, uh, as well as infantry fighting vehicles and battle tanks. And that's on top of Stinger surface-to-air missile launchers. So there's a whole raft of weapons that are Mm. ready to go and are sort of in the process right now. Now, I imagine that would economically help the defense sector in Germany, but the economy there has a lot of the issues we have in the U.S., right? Prices up, growth is down, these fears of stagflation. And now Germany is talking about weaning itself off natural gas from Russia, which powers the industrial economy there. Where's that debate now? Yeah, that's that's something that Germany is working extremely hard on. Um, it, in just two months, the country has been able to reduce its dependency on Russian gas from half of all of its gas to just 35%. 
But that still means that there's a lot of gas coming in from Russia. And yeah. up until now, Germany's only relied on pipelines that bring that to Germany. Uh, it does not have any liquefied natural gas terminals that would make it mm. easier to receive imports of gas elsewhere. Um, and it's that type of infra infrastructure that Germany's economy ministry is working really hard at fast-tracking right now. It wants to build a terminal along its coast on the North Sea really quickly, uh, but environmental groups are trying to stop it. Uh, ironically, mm. the head of that ministry that's working at this is a man named Robert Habeck. He's the co-chair of the Green Party, which has strong ties to these environmental groups. Uh, but he's yeah. working overtime to make sure that LNG terminals are built as quickly as possible. And it's mm. worth pointing out how unique this effort is because Germany's government is usually infamous for its red tape. This, though, is a different side of Germany that we're seeing. Well, you're describing even this accelerated clock of politics and bureaucracy in Germany. But there's one possibility of Moscow immediately shutting off the taps of natural gas, yep. as it did to Poland, as it did to Bulgaria last month. How would that potentially slam the economy? Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, that's a big concern. Uh, because Germany's economy needs this gas to keep itself afloat for the time being. Should Russia cut this supply like they did in Poland uh, and Bulgaria uh, before Germany can replace that gas, economists predict mm. at least a 2.5% decrease in the country's GDP, equaling billions of mm. dollars of lost revenue and, of course, lost jobs. And that would lead to even more of a political fallout for Olaf Scholz's government. And Rob, just before I let you go, do you have a kind of a snapshot of the economic challenge facing kind of real families in Germany, just to give us an idea of what it feels like. Yeah, well, the, you know, the price of gas, just like in the United States, has skyrocketed in Germany. And, you know, as you know, Germany is a car-loving and car-using culture. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, this is something that consumers hear as they go into their summer break months, you know, and plan these long road trips across Europe are definitely starting to take into account. And I think for them, the price of gas at the pump is a big deal. And so uh, this summer, I would imagine we're going to be seeing a lot of frustration yeah. uh, from German consumers. NPR's Rob Schmitz in Berlin. Rob, thank you as always. Thanks a lot, Scott. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. On, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. On the TED Radio Hour, researcher Sasha Lucioni says AI can help us find climate solutions. But just training the technology itself uses a ton of energy. Training ChatGPT, for instance, emits as much carbon as five cars in their lifetime. Tech's climate conundrum. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 